Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses f- for f- 10 years. So, Carol Kay and my buddy uh, broke the news that Goff is the referee for the All Ireland final. Um, so, the Irish News had this one, and in fairness, I think this is nonsense. Conan, I saw some tweets from you yesterday. You have a different opinion of it. Would be like us, would it? <laughs> Connor, you will have the casting vote on this. Fair enough. Um, maybe I'll make you, let you make the case for Conan and then I'll just tear that to shreds if I can. Yeah, well, I think the case for Goff is that I think he's been the best referee this year, so I think that's the only real case for him. Do you know he has been the best? Like, he wasn't great up in uh, for Donegal Mayo. There was a lot of complaints uh, that night, was there not? Yeah, he do that game the penalty Michael Murphy penalty a couple of other I thought that was a penalty like, yeah, I thought they got the, the backyard call right we did think that was a penalty brave yeah. calls as well like, yeah. anyways but uh, to be honest so when you say he's been the best referee I always think back I can't think back of who ref what games to know who's been the best <laughs> referee like that's just you're just throwing that out no there. I can I can't think back I remember well but um, yeah, it's hard enough to think who the best players were <laughs> never mind who the best referees were but my issue is more just uh, the case against them and I don't think it's really fair like to say that someone lives and works in Dublin like uh, I live and work in Dublin you like used to play in Dublin and yeah. you work in Dublin I don't think either of us have any no. greater affinity now, with Dublin I, I saw your tweet with that gesture I'm going to have to pull you up pull on me that. up but then let me because, go on after because this. living and working in Dublin you can't just throw a blanket over all of that you work in the media you you don't work as a teacher you're not immersed in any community. What community? Where do you well, live? I play, where do I play club football. No, you Scaries. play club football, but do you live in Scaries? Are you immersed yeah. in that community? I live in. Of course, I am. Uh, <laughs> my, my girlfriend plays in Scaries. I live in Scaries. I'm up there kicking around when we're not training. Yeah, do you like drink? Colin, who's a conditioning coach? Do you drink down in? The, do you drink down in the local? Yeah, I not think, every night. I don't I, drink. That I much. do. I do think. I do think that the teaching profession. Uh, in particular immerses you in the community in that you're meeting parents you're meeting the young children coming in with Dublin jerseys I think a lot of the schools are feed at the club or the school he taught out in Terranure is a feeder school for St. Jude's do you know what I mean <sighs> I, I do think the teaching profession brings you to another level of interaction with, with the community you don't meet the community on a daily basis in your job do you know what I mean? Yeah, you but I meet them in my, my personal life I suppose and I'm meeting players who are playing underage with Dublin People who are on the outskirts of the Dublin panel, like, you know, I'm fr- friendly with yeah. that. I'd like to call them friends if they'd have me. Do you know, and like people who are involved in the coaching staff as so well. So do you think, so do you think if you were refereeing, now I'm not talking about you're thinking about whether you want Dublin to win or not, that's irrelevant. Do you mm. think if you were refereeing a huge, massive game in Croke Park with Dublin going for five in a row, as you being uh, playing with Scaries and living in the Scaries community, that in some way you might 
double guess yourself at a decision based on having to meet people in scary. Yeah, and this is the other thing. Like, I, I think, but there, I, that's the argument. No. You're, you're immediately compromised. No, I think I think Dublin's actually different to that as well. Like Dublin is massive. Like most people in Scaries don't play GE. Like there's twelve and a half thousand people in Scaries, and Scaries is more of an outlier. Like David Goff lives in the city centre, where I'd say he'd go through weeks and months without even meeting somebody in the GA community. Like, you know, like, that's how big Dublin is, and it's so international. It's not like living in Tullamore, you know, and I, I could probably see that argument a bit more where you are worried about going down to the shop because everybody there has vested yeah. interest in it. But, but he works in coming to Munskull, so he's meeting people in Dublin all the time. Do you know what I mean? He's, he works in, as I think he's a teacher out in Drumcondra now, St. Pat's, is it? Or he's connected with DCU so or something. DCU, DCU, yeah. point, but he's chairman of the coming to Munskull. Like, I mean, this is not... A, a, why, the, re, the reason we're having this conversation or even a debate... Why, why should, why pick a referee that this debate is uh, c- concerned around? Why not just pick a referee which is none of this baggage? And let's, let's be honest, David Cop's under unbelievable pressure for this game and he could go against Dublin to try and prove that he's yeah. not pro them. Like, do you not think that there's a much less messy way of doing this? But David Goff never get an All-Iron final then because Dublin are going to be in. Well, that, I think, <laughs> but that's hard look, I reckon. I reckon that's just unlucky for you. Unlucky. I think there's going to be a lot more refs that are living and working in Dublin as the years go on, and Dublin are going to be in a lot of all Ireland finals. And I think it's, I think it's very harsh to rule out all those refs based mm. on the fact that they're living and working in Dublin. Yeah, I see. But I think that the profession is important. Like I do think what the profession is definitely. I think living and working in Dublin. Like I, like I live. I lived and worked in Dublin, lived in the financial services or worked in financial services. There was people from every county in there. And then I went back home and I, I lived with uh, people from Leash and Galway and Mayo and different places. And I went out in the city centre. And I, that's different to, I think, a teacher meeting parents, children and things like that. Do you see there, that there's a difference yeah. in those what, two yeah. things? What does David Coldrick, what does David yeah, Coldrick do because he lives and works in Dublin? Because I just thought that the, the residency argument that was put forward by Eamon Fitzmaurice and others was a little bit undermined because there was no hullabaloo when David Coldrick the 2015 yeah. final, yeah. which was the year before David Goff. I, I got the impression from Eamon Fitzmaurice that his his argument was based more on their experience in the 2016 yeah. semi-final. Well, that has a big part of it. Well, yeah, well, That has a big part of it because he got two huge calls wrong yeah. in that game and they both concerned Kevin McManaman who is St. Jude's who his his t- his school Terenure is a feeder school for St. Jude's and we know Kevin McManaman is a man of very high integrity and uh, a really good fella you know so when you might know Kevin McManaman and he turns around and appeals to something for you, for you you might be in a split second when the hill roars you might actually think Jesus Kevin McManaman yeah. appealed for a 45 that wasn't a 45 yeah. the umpire waved wide David Goff overruled his umpire to believe Kevin McManaman that's a huge call lads he, oh, didn't, o- he didn't overrule his umpire and get it right he overruled his umpire and got it wrong because Kevin McManaman told him and then the second one the hit on Crowley involved Kevin McManaman as well and he admitted he got that one wrong at a huge part of the game I th- Come on, yeah, I, no, it's I only human I, nature. I, I think that's fair enough, but I think what I think the 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 argument that Fitzmaurice is using is the residency argument. Whereas he's not, he's, if he's saying that the reason I well, don't he want thinks the residency th- argument is connected to those okay, big well, decisions. It seemed to me that the the way he like he wasn't saying that like I don't want David Goff ref in this final because he ref. Kerry against Dublin in 2016 and he made some very questionable decisions if he's going to say that fair enough because I know in Mayo for example when Cormac Riley Cormac Riley didn't referee a Mayo game for years and then it was such hullabaloo when he came back and he refed the league game uh, against Donegal and Casabar. I remember we were talking about it on here he gave a penalty after a minute and you know that that, that was purely based on him 
doing a bad performance in previous games involving these teams yeah. where the argument that I've seen for the most part is purely based on the fact that David Goff is living and working in Dublin yeah. and that's going to affect I think his it's all Well, I think that's all connected and I do think being chairman of the Coming to Munskull because someone was telling me yesterday Coming to Munskull is a subcommittee of the county board and has representation at county board meetings. He's too connected, lads. He's too... And I'm not taking... I'm not calling his integrity into question here at all and I do think he's a good referee but this is just too messy for him. It's too messy. There's too much of a hullabaloo about it. Just pick someone who has none of this. Yeah, but I don't think the hullabaloo is fair. And, and, like, it's, his, it's his livelihood. I don't think he could do anything about that. I, th- I blame Fitzmaurice and everybody else who sort of kicked it up. And nobody's talking about James Owens living in Kilkenny, doing the Kilkenny Tipperary game this weekend. You know, we're getting a second final in a row. Like, but there, there was a, a lot of talk about the Kilkenny referee that did the, the Wexford Tipperary game in that one of Wexford or Tipperary had to play Kilkenny yeah. in the final. And he was under a lot of pressure, not because he was going to favour yeah. one team, but because there was a massive spotlight on him. But and that, I can see that too. But that's what's so strange about this. Like, would Dublin fans not be a bit more paranoid that a Meath referee is in charge of, like, you know, their five in a row game? Like, well, their not, biggest not, rivals? Not like, based on his performance in 2016. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, whether yeah. that comes back to haunt them, and now he's under so much pressure that he might not give them a call because you know, subconsciously he knows this is going on in the background. It's too messy for both teams and for David as well. Like, I genuinely do think it is. I'm just thinking, like, you know, if Derry were playing Dublin, say, in a final, and I had a choice between David Goff, who's living in Dublin, or a Tyrone referee, Sean Hurston, say, like, and I know they're not biased either, that's the other thing, we're just assuming that they would be, but I would rather a referee who's living in Dublin as his career rather than somebody from a direct rival country. Yeah. I, well, I would agree. I would even go so far as to say that a Leinster referee should not... That this should be a Connacht referee or an Ulster referee and get any of this stuff because like I mean people cling on to anything mm. never mind a referee from a neighbouring county so you can straight away say he hates us now he lives and works and as a teacher and is kind of immersed in Dublin and he's favoured Dublin massively in the last big game he hasn't refereed C- Kerry in Dublin since and he's favoured Dublin in a huge game with two calls that were outrageously wrong so like, like lads, there's yeah. two, uh, for, that's why I'm saying it's okay. nothing against oh. David Goff or yeah. it's nothing against his refereeing, which is solid. Uh, sometimes he annoys me about blowing for freeze off the ball. But Morris Deegan was at the last day too. Like, I mean, if they want to clean up defending, if that's David Goff's little thing, well, then defenders need to shape up and get their hands off, off the ball. And everybody knows that. So I'm softening on him on that. Because, like, I mean, I played in the forwards and that's fine, although I played in the back. So, so I've no problem with that. I've no problem with his refereeing. He, got the, he did get the Murphy call exactly right. It was a penalty. So it's not that. It's just this, it's too messy. Well, I'm surprised he's got it now. After the hullabaloo that there's been this week, I thought that the GA might fold and not give it to him because they don't want to put undue pressure on him. But I would have also hated if the reason that he didn't get the final was because Aidan Fitzmaurice is talking about it, Mike Quirk is talking about it, Aidan Mahoney is talking about it, just as Kerry, the, the, the influential Kerry pundits in the media have a habit of doing in the yeah. past. See, I don't think this is orchestrated. To oh, be well, honest with yeah. you, we didn't even cover Goff. Covering the All-Ireland referee on a, on a review show on a Monday from the semi-finals isn't my idea of what a Monday show should be about anyway. So I don't think this was necessarily orchestrated. I think Fitzmaurice just went, brought yeah, it okay, up. Fair enough. And maybe Quirk asked him a couple of questions about it. So that wasn't... Uh, and then you had Aidan O'Mahony who 
who was talking on Paddy Power about it as well. So I don't know. Like, I mean, people are trying to make out um, that it's a, an orchestrated campaign. I'm not sure. when It didn't work anyways. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, John Horan, the true blue John. Yeah. Although, listen, guys, I honestly think that it could work against Dublin because... I just feel, I feel bad for Goff. I think he's in an impossible situation in this final. Now, he's a good referee. He just needs to trust his instincts. Mm. But when that hill roars and he's not sure, what does he do? Because there's a lot, there's decisions where you can't be 100% sure. And there's players there trying to trick you. And there's lads diving. And there's all this sort of stuff. And the stadium is roaring at every little call. That's not easy. Yeah, it's I'd, just not easy for him. I'd say he genuinely probably would need to see a sports psychologist now over the next couple of weeks because, like, you know, he will be second guessing. You, you might need to see one afterwards. <laughs> yeah, if I make this decision, what will people say after? You know, just a psychologist thing. in general, yeah. not a sports one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look, that's it. So best of luck to David Goff, anyways, because he's been in with you, Conan, and you've, you, you, you liked him in here. And, like, I've never met him. Um, I've criticised him a couple of times. But, like, I mean, I hope, uh, listen. I hope he has a good game and I hope there's nothing to talk about outside mm-hmm. of this. To be honest, you'd imagine Dublin are going to win this. It's Dublin. It's been Dublin. Dublin have beaten the handicap in every game. So we'll, we'll preview this when the time is right. But it might not come down to that one point game where, you know, he's the villain in the whole thing. And you'd, you'd hope that's the case. Right. Jack O'Connor um, has got the Kildare job. So this was broken last night. So he won All-Irelands with Kerry in 2004 and 2006. He took over from Paddy O'Shea and brought that kind of hard edge, brought in Aidan O'Matney, brought in Paul Galvin, turned Kerry into this meaner team when they were a bit soft after that Tyrone game in 2003. Well, perception was that they were a bit soft. Um, then he came back in 2009 and won an All-Ireland again. Um, that was after they were beaten by Tyrone in 2008. He won minor titles in 14 and 15. He's been with the under-20s last four years and hasn't won an All-Ireland. So... Obviously, the under-20s is a bit of a cod. Well, the last two years anyway, since this new rule has come in. So, like, I mean, I think he's a great appointment for Kildare. I think he brings that little bit of star quality and All-Ireland winning experience and all those things that a county like Kildare need. He's from Kerry and they did pretty well with Mikko, who was from Kerry. I don't know. Like, the only thing you would worry about is that the game has changed a lot since 2009. A lot. You know, so like, I mean, how he can adapt to how the game, mm. the game is pretty much basketball with 15 players now. Yeah, everyone's moving up and yeah. back the field together. So he needs to, well, bar the two in the full forward line, which in, invariably will have to get back when yeah. their man takes yeah. off to make, to create the extra <laughs> man. So he needs to, he needs a, a crash course in how this game, yeah. listen, mate, I'm sure he's well up on top of the modern game. <laughs> but that happens in basketball as well. As soon as you win the ball, it's like, is there a fast break on? Can you chuck it long? And then as soon as that's not on, then you start slowly working up the field it is but that's the (laughs) principles Gaelic football is following unless there's a rule made where certain players need to stay in their own in their own half we're not going to get into the rule changes we went to town (laughs) on them last year I'm just trying to think that the game changed much between when he first came in 2004 when he came back in 2009 but I think it's changed way more dramatically in the time I think I think 04, 06 and 09 not that much yeah yeah, but he's been he's been like crucially like he's been involved in, in the game. It, he's been involved in the modern game since then. And just apart from the under twenties, which I think is undermined by use as a bit of a cod, and the fact that he doesn't have two generational players available to him in, in Sean O'Shea and David Clifford. Yeah. Uh, but success seems to follow him everywhere he goes. And I, I just think, um, as you said, a bit of star quality. And like this year, Keane O'Neill wasn't helped by the fact that players were maybe non-committal and going away and stuff like that. I don't think you'll hear any of that next no, year. No. I think everyone will be back on board for for the first year of this reign and. Like I'd say, 
you're, you're probably not talking about Toplin, Dublin and Leinster obviously but Super 8s I think Kildare definitely in a great chance oh, I, I think they're I think they're a certainty for Super 8s mm. I think Kildare are knocking on the door of the top teams I really do I've made that I've said that on the show here for the last two years I think they've got very very good players right throughout their team there is talk John Sugru's going in and his number two now Sugru was in in the Kerry management team but it was under Pat O'Shea not mm. under Jack O'Connor I had to find that out because I knew Sugru was in there and I was like Jesus how would I have I not put this two and two <laughs> together here physio but though as opposed to he was physio with Pat yeah. O'Shea yeah I think he did some of the physical training maybe okay. with them down there he moved on a little bit from physio but uh yeah, it would make sense if Sukru, I don't know if Sukru has gone from being number one at Leash. Kildare's obviously a promotion, much as and all as it kills me to say that. It's a step up from Leash, but being a number two from a number one is a mm. step down. So I don't know whether there's, look, this is just a speculation at this stage, but he might not be a bad call from Jack O'Connor. He's free. He lives near Kildare. He's ticking a lot of boxes. He has a business in Port Leash, though, so whether he might want his business to suffer by jumping ship from mm. Leash to Kildare, <laughs> I don't know, John. Think about this. <laughs> Does he's that mean he's people on a daily basis. So, yeah, he's compromised. There yeah. you go. Listen, that's it. Uh, we'll move on to Tyrone here, lads, because there's loads of stuff going on in Tyrone. Uh, Sean Kavanagh on Mickey Hart. So whether Mickey Hart stays, he has another year on his contract. He signed an extension of two years. Um, Sean Kavanagh thinks there's a time when the baton has to be passed on. He's given his life to Tyrone football, but there are other guys there. The likes of Fergal Lowen, Peter Canavan, Brian Dewar, big names in Tyrone football. And the core of that team today won an under-21 title with those guys. Maybe it's time for someone like that in. No one can fault Mickey Hart but time's mo- time moves on. So I don't know what you think of this, lads, whether Mickey Hart has taken... I think he'll get his last year. I'm more on the line that maybe he should step aside then. I do take the point with Canavan and Logan and Dewar and these lads did bring a lot of these McShane's, uh, Frank Burns, uh, Connor Myler's. Um, who else was on that under-20 under twenty uh, team Um Oh, the cornerback, Brennan, Rory Brennan. All those anyways. Talk one of you so I can think of a few more. <laughs> but anyways, I don't know. Like, I mean, he'll see out his extra year and you'd imagine he might step down then. Yeah, so O'Mulligan was writing saying um, he deserves to see out his extra year. Like, if, if anybody's earned to see yeah. it out to his way, it's there, probably... There's a bit out. of an Arsene Wenger about him now, though, is there? Like, I actually find it very hard to, to criticise him. Like, I know like we've talked about their tactics before and maybe there's games that they left behind that they could have won, but... Like you know, the last five years, Kerry Mayo Dublin have put put them out. Kerry again this year, semi final, quarter final against Mayo, semi final, final and semi final. Like, yeah, but when Peter are they going to make? When are they going to make that step up? But like, are they like are they good enough to make that? Step? I think they they but, will be at some stage. I just don't know if that's failing though. Like Peter Canavan could come in and get the semi final, lose to Kerry, and like you know, is that a bad year? I don't think Tyrone are at that level yet where it's it's a disgrace if they don't beat well, Kerry. I, in the I think it's perfectly legitimate to ask the question. Do you, know, do you know, like, like I don't think Sean Gavin has said, I don't know, did he say he should step down immediately? I think he was asked a question maybe about whether, you know, he's brought them as far as he could. And, and, and I think Sean Gavin was answering to that question as opposed to whether he should step down. I mean, like you, you've mentioned their big record. I mean, like their record in the big games. I don't think they've beaten Dublin Mayo or Kerry since 2008. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Like that's, that's, that's a fairly damning like slight against maybe, maybe hard side of it. You're, you're saying that Peter Gavin might come in and he might, he might only get to the same level, but he might not. He might, like, we've talked constantly here about the need for uh, Tyrone to evolve and they have to a certain extent but I get the impression after the Donegal game this year that Mickey Hart was only too happy to revert to type and go back to what they've been doing for ages rather than stick the course with the new way of 
way of playing with McShane and Donnelly inside and playing a more direct style yeah. of football. Now they went back to that against Kerry in fairness. They yeah. played a more direct uh, game and they played Donnelly and McShane. So like I, d- I didn't see Tyrone being un- unbelievably defensive, defensive yeah. uh, against Kerry. You know that kind of way and they still lost. So they, they, they seem to try to be exhausting different avenues. Maybe they just aren't good enough and we slightly overrate Tyrone every year. Yeah, like... Uh, I don't even know if they aren't good enough. Like that's probably where Connor's point is fair. Because I look at it and think, well, Matty Donnelly's twenty eight and McShane's twenty four. I think so. You're thinking right next couple of years that really needs to be the the. Donnelly's only twenty eight. I yeah. thought he was a bit older. So like that's like that's where you can really win in all Ireland. I think with those two, if you get them taken and get everything around them, obviously working well. So maybe there's there's an argument there that somebody <laughs> needs to come in and and take those reins. But as I said, I, I just don't think. Getting the semi-final, losing to Kerry, or getting the final last year, losing to Dublin, can be seen as a failure. Yeah, like, I don't no, think I agree. Or at that level. No, no, I agree. Like, I mean, I suppose they've gone semi-final, final, semi-final. Yeah. You know, now they've in those years they've been knocked out unimpressively in Ulster. Yeah. Do you know that? You know mm. what I mean? So. Well, 2017, they won the Ulster, I think. They won the Ulster in yeah. 17, but they were hammered by Donegal twice in Ulster. So, like, yeah. I mean, you you look at it this year. If you were to look at this year, they got hammered by Donegal and they collapsed against Kerry. Now that's not I, I, Nobody's going to convince me That t- this year has been A good year for Tyrone Because it hasn't Do you know Like I mean When you're a top four team You should be in the semi-final Because there's a big drop Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean From the top four So whether it's a success For Tyrone to get to a semi I'm not so sure So yeah Muggsy um, Muggsy was back at Sean Cavanagh I'm never criticised Sean Cavanagh For having a strong opinion On something he's entitled to And if he thinks that He thinks that And Muggsy said Sean always has lots of notes in front of him during these broadcasts but he must have lost the page where on it where Hart uh, on what Hart has brought to Tyrone and of course he has a point but I think that goes without saying mm. you know yeah, Ka- Kevin is an still a, yeah amazing servant so. like I mean I don't think that's necessarily fair for Muggsy not much wrong with what Sean Kevin has said Sean Kevin is rattling cages I've no problem with that he's given a strong opinion which isn't always the unpopular or isn't always the popular yeah, yeah, opinion absolutely. and I don't think he should be criticised for that but I did laugh at Muggsy talking about the notes have you noticed that this year <laughs> have you noticed that they're all rush, ruffling through notes now <laughs> right so this is a Declan McBennett thing as far as I, I've heard that now they have to be stronger under analysis so the one or two one, maybe one before I turned it off was, was when Brolly was talking about Goff and here he is going through notes like there can't be anything written on these notes like I mean there's just not yeah. what would be, I'd love to get my hands on his notes yeah. right so whether he's got stats on him or what because Brolly just talks off the top of his head and guff and nonsense and talks about himself yeah. I was surprised when Brolly threw out another like 30% kick out stat or something I was like oh Jesus but Brolly have, yeah, but have you noticed no, he though? always gets one and loves to hold on to it yeah. and throw it out at the right time <laughs> yeah just get one stat and and repeat yeah, but yeah they're all run here look yeah. just to make it sound Sunday game I'm just going to rat- yeah. rattle these couple of pages <laughs> normally just makes up an anecdote about somebody in a bar I was talking to Francis <laughs> in the pub <laughs> there's a lead to stuff yeah, yeah. okay so and just on that Colin Kavanagh um, looks like he might be retiring so he says I'll be 33 this time next year and it's a young man's game I'm getting older my second baby is due this week as well I'll probably be one of those things I'll sit down and have a think about I'll not make any rash decisions maybe have a chat with Mickey at some stage I don't know I've been toying with the idea for for the last one or two years so if he's been toying with it 
They didn't make any progress this mm. year. Um, he had the, the daughter out in the field with him, which is a telltale uh, yeah. last picture. It's the last stand with the daughter, although Andy Moran has done it. <laughs> 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 like, this actually shouldn't be a telltale yeah. sign with Andy Moran. Like, I mean, he's just completely uh, thrown that out the window. But I have a feeling Kavanaugh will go. Yeah, such a such a nice photo as well. Um, like, yeah, it does show you that there's more to life as much as it, it, it was captioned as well. We've had a good run, Daddy, or something oh, he like did that. that yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, he's gone. When you, when you're toying with it for a couple of years, and I was just thinking as well that Sean might be in his ear, like reading Sean's book. I think he constantly talks a lot about the you know being a bit selfish and demanding. You know, not not spending enough time with his kids in his last couple mm-hmm. of years in Tyrone, and then when he was finished, that it was such a like he didn't know himself that he had so much time to spend with them. So especially with the second kid coming. I'd say, and especially haven't talked about it like that with that photo on the pitch. I, I doubt he's. I doubt he's coming back. Yeah, it's a funny one with Colin because he's actually, if anything, he's getting better with age. He's coming off two All Stars. He won't get one this year. You know, so like he's kind of <laughs> tying with. Jeez, I wish I was playing like this when I was twenty five, and I didn't. You know, like mm. I mean, he's just getting better as the years go on, yeah. which is a strange one, and that's what's obviously going to make the decision harder. I'm playing. There's nothing wrong with how I'm playing. Mm. It's just. Maybe family commitments yeah. or whatever. He's not slowing up either. Like it's not like it's obvious that he's thirty three. You yeah. know, and like the questions this year were, can he continue playing in that position? So we tried to expand it a bit more again, and he went back in the midfield. He attacked kickouts. He tried to bring that sort of stride that he has back into it, and he had it. So yeah, it'll be a big big miss for Tyrone. Yeah, Niall Morgan as well. Do you think this is a Tyrone show? He's been talking about. So he got a bit of uh, hassle let's call it, of Tommy Walsh and David Clifford as he was coming up to take 45 late on. Um, they were giving him a few digs and pushes into the chest and the same crap that they're all doing. Pushing into the chest is doing my head in when watching these matches. I can only think of the poor man being pushed in the chest and your legs are sore and tired and you're trying to get up with the play and some dickhead is pushing you in the chest to push you back and not let you catch up with the play. I don't know how I could handle this. What can you do in that situation? And you get no protection from a linesman or referee. It's just you have to deal with this. So you see players, we've talked about it before, like Sir Ryan McHugh, and he just takes three or four pushes in the chest, puts his head down and just starts running again. It's like... They just understand that this is part of the game because they're all at it. Mm. Oh, God, thank God I'm not yeah. part of the game with that, um, that kind of stuff going <laughs> on. So Morgan has come up with an idea. Is uh, They love changing all these rules. about uh, How about one that helps free takers? A lot of the time I come up and take frees because the players are tired. Oh, yeah, I thought this was interesting. He comes up and takes the frees. Um, because players are tired. It's not that we don't have a forward that can take the kick. Sometimes they've done about a 200 metres worth of sprint sprints and they're not ready to take a free kick. So he's like saying some of the time he comes up to take kicks, it's only because other lads are wrecked. But he's trying to say if you give them 20 seconds or whatever to recover, it might uh, benefit the game. He wants the clock stopped like rugby for a free kick. Now, I wouldn't be in favour of this. It would be GEA has to move on a little bit faster than that. Will the whole stadium have to shh like rugby for a, for a conversion? Every pub around the country. Every pub. Yeah, you're not allowed to even talk in pubs. I've been shushed in pubs. It's a sick kind of carry on. But anyways, it's uh, he thinks stopping the clock, he thinks that would help a player recover in time to actually kick it and be able to compose himself and he also thinks that that kind of time wasting of maybe him coming up to take the free kick and being pushed, it would help that as well. Our players wouldn't do that if the clock was stopped. Yeah. I'm not sure it's a runner. I think it's too difficult to implement. It would have to only apply to scoreable frees that aren't taken by the guy who's fouled. 
because otherwise like if, if you're stopping the clock for a guy that's fouled you know, you know when you pick the ball up people start shouting you get into a panic and you just end up you know yeah. moving it down the but pitch but maybe yeah. you'll have to say to the referee what are you doing with it and you have to your, your captain <laughs> yeah, tells you you're going to go for it and then maybe. and then someone comes in with a bucket of sand <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, we're not having that no, now no. Yeah, no no stupid idea right so Brogan O'Gara and O'Carroll weren't in the 26th that's Bernard Brogan um, weren't in the 26th the last day so Dublin did a press day the morning after the semi-final isn't that right Conan you were telling me that it was the no it was the Monday so their semi-final was Saturday oh, Saturday I think they trained on the Sunday the, the, the players who weren't playing yeah. as far as I know and then on the Monday morning they had their press day right okay so they turned that around pretty quickly we won't say that Dublin expected to beat Mayo and had this organised <laughs> we'll say that they did a lot of work on the Sunday <laughs> and got this turned around for Monday morning and uh, so this was the thing so they didn't make the 26th. So Jim Gavin was talking about this at the press day and he says all players will dis- be disappointed when they don't get on the match day squad. But make no mistake about it, they're pushing hard for a place on the pitch. In the shadows, they're influencing how this team performs. For the next day, there's still a lot of weeks to run. A lot can change over time and we'll still be searching for the players who can perform consistently. So it's always, it's just a funny thing to me that the 26 now has become the big thing. You know, this wasn't the case, obviously, in my day. The 15 was the big thing. And if you were outside the 15, that's no good. Now players are, just the culture in Dublin and the amount of players they have, that now it's a big thing even to get on the bench. And that's not even talk about whether you're getting on. This is just with a a lottery chance of getting on. Do you know what I mean? Because you've obviously got 11 on the bench. How many can be used? Five or six? Six, Six, is it? Six subs. So there's five going to be disappointed. So when you look at the last day, uh, five subs came on. Keane O'Sullivan, Owen Merchant, Carl McCoslow, Philly McMahon, Deer McConnelly and Paddy Andrews all came on. So they used five subs. That's interesting that Dublin didn't really use much of their bench the last time. They used two of, oh, six subs came on. They used Connolly and Paddy Andrews. That was in the 70th minute. Mm. So they, the game was over at that stage. So they only really used four, four subs. Keane Sullivan, Owen Merchant. Keane Sullivan was 49 minutes. Then the next one was 62. Again, very unusual for Dublin, although the game was won. We'll say that again, but you could still give lads a run when the game is won too. So the subs that were not used... The last day it was Paddy Small, Kevin McManaman, Eric Lowndes and Sean uh, Bulger. Obviously Comerford as well because he like he's never going to get on unless yeah. Cluxton's injured. So like I mean that's the thing. So there's five of them. So you're you're making a big huge thing to get into the 26. So if you're struggling to get on the 26, you're definitely one of those five that aren't getting the game time. So the whole struggle yeah. is just to get on the 26 to tog out and be out in Croke Park. See, I, I, I don't see... I, ju- I just had a phobia about being a sub. I'd rather sit in the stand in my clothes than, than be on the bench and not have a chance of coming on. I don't see why, that's, why players are desperate. Obviously, they're desperate to get into 26 because they're trying to convince themselves they won't be one of those 25, I presume, and they'll be one of the ones that come on. Are you following me? Yeah. Like, it is... Is the range that much so in Dublin? So are they thinking if I'm on the bench, I've got a chance of playing? And Gavin might like Paddy Small probably in with a shout of playing, right? And like Rory Carroll wasn't in the squad, but he yeah. like surely if he was in, you'd think he would have a shout of coming in. Bernard so you, Brogan. Yeah, you think if you're in the 26, it could be a pick of anybody. I think so. But my argument is I if you think if, more of that too. My yeah. argument is if you didn't make the 26 for the last game and you yeah. make it this game. <laughs> it's, not <looking> good. <laughs> it's not looking good for you getting on the yeah. team, though, right? Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Connor? 
Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I'm just interested in uh, when you mentioned there, it's not about the 15, it's the 26, the level of interest the fans have now. I mean, like, it, especially in Mayo this year, the thing was, I didn't really care about the team that was announced by Mayo GA whenever it was announced. It was like whoever got the picture of the programme with the 26, because for, well, for a start, Horn did it especially, especially towards the end where he's making three or four changes to the certain team. And then, like, Mayo actually had a decent bench this year, so you get an idea of who might be coming in. But I, I think I'm more agreeable with Conan that, like, it's not that set in stone that if you are, and it, like, the Dublin are different because Dublin tend to be ahead and dominating games, you know, but like, for, for, for other teams, whoever you use you know during the course of the game might completely depend on who you're playing against who and the shoots. structure of the game yeah. itself yeah so maybe you're right maybe the 26 you get in that 26 and he could call on any one of yeah. you at any time yeah. and maybe that's it because we look at the four that didn't get in Paddy Small he got in before Kevin McManaman gets in regularly and Eric Lowndes gets in regularly and yeah. they were three of the ones that didn't get in yeah. now Sean Bulger you would say was a bit early for him but he did very well against Tyrone so maybe you're right the 26 is the holy grail because you're thinking if I'm in that, Jim could call on me, yeah. you know, yeah. and imagine they're 15 versus 15 training games, you know, well, just trying to get into that. 26. Exactly. And it relies on a manager like Jim Gavin, <laughs> who's going to genuinely look at every player throughout the season and not just have his set team. He set 15 and he set five subs or whatever it is. And another hurling reference for you. But remember in 2012, when Brian Cody just called Walter Walsh out of nowhere, yeah. put him in for the final, scored 1-3. But he was talking final about that replay, recently. Wasn't it? Yeah, 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 he was talking about that recently and he was saying about sometimes the answer staring you Who in the face. Who were they playing? Galway. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll good. catch you out in something from back <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was a replay or not, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and he was saying sometimes the answer staring at staring you in the face because he was looking at it in training thinking this boy's going well so someone like Cody someone like Jim Gavin is genuinely watching how they're getting on every week Yeah, and no. if you're going well and you're in the 2016 you might get picked yeah exactly I think that's it so yeah so I was going to run down I was going to start wondering why the hell they're all so desperate to get in 26 <laughs> when it's the first 21 it's the first 21 is really the holy grail not the first 26 but they don't know exactly who's on okay we figured it out guys thanks for your help on that one right we'll come back after the break <laughs> Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home by where Bernard, I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D and in around that area. Watch for this in the semis in the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bound in a in a crowded area, but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're looking <laughs> well, out at me of a crowded with, area, isn't it? You're looking <laughs> at me with such a confused air, a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there. In a crowded area. Yeah. Watch for it. So we have to talk about Mayo, Connor. We're not going to let you off um, the hook on that. So, like, I mean, we were talking on Monday about the Keegan on Con was a wrong mistake. Uh, was was a mistake? Was a wrong call? The maybe Boyle on Kilkenny. A couple of those things. Uh, pretty much coming in with a, a running game against Dublin with no, uh, you know, alternative or no kind of variety. Probably is a mistake as well. What's the talk in Mayo? Yeah, um, I listened to the show on Monday. Like it, it would, I, I definitely wouldn't listen to it if it was out on Sunday. I wasn't ready for it at that stage. It was still probably a bit delicate by Monday afternoon. But I think there was a there was an acknowledgement that while that 12 to 15 minute period after half time was just out of this world and exceptional by the dubs that like Mayo weren't blameless in, in, in what we did, probably both in the first half and in the second half. So I, I think I think you're right that we needed more we needed more variety kind of up front 
um, because Mayo never even looked like creating a goal chance in no. the first half, and you're you're always going to need goals to to be on top. Yeah, and the matchups, I I didn't like it when I saw Lee Keegan going in on Conor Callahan because Con was always likely to play close to goal, and for as good as this this has been said loads of times since, but for as good a man marker as Lee Keegan has been for people who directly influence the game out the field, he's not a like cornerback is a specialist thing. Yeah. Lee Keegan is not a specialist cornerback, and the issue I'd have, I couldn't get over how easy the second goal for Con was. It was a free it was a free kick. It was a set piece. And the two of them were there pretty much edge of the square on their own. And Lee Keegan got no protection. I'd have maybe issue with the way he tried to defend it. But at the start, you never like you wouldn't do that at club level, never mind inter county level, to leave that space in front of somebody as deadly as Con, who's yeah. obviously on fire, who's just scored a goal off yeah. Lee Keegan. Now in fairness, I have a feeling now obviously because you don't get that level of analysis maybe on the Sunday game. I have a feeling from if you saw that behind the goals, maybe Dublin made that you know made space for him there. You know, and it got looked Mannion, very easy at the time. There was three covering Mayo defenders on the other side. Yeah. So were they covering Mannion, or not, you know, did Mannion make a sacrificial run and too many of them went with him? I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know because we didn't see the the footage of. Of course, it. I, even <clears> just looking <throat> like I, I was high in the Hogan standard, even just looking at it afterwards, thinking that was so easy. Yeah. But it, like part of me at the time think thought the Mayo's heads are so scrambled at that stage, haven't been. Blitzed. It's, you know, the, the 10 minutes before that it's just sometimes mistakes like that, you just can't, you, you just can't account for them. But apart from that, yeah, I still would have had, like hindsight is a great thing, but I would have had, um, I would have had Keegan on Kilkenny as usual. Um, probably, I think you mentioned before, and maybe Boyle on Scully that might might allow him to be able to drop off a bit more. I think Paddy Durkin on uh, Jack McCaffrey worked. That was he was unfortunate one. with the, the, the two shots um, just after halftime. Whether they would have made a big difference, I don't know. But uh, it's just, it was just, I knew Dublin would come with a blitz, but I'd like to, I don't know, I didn't expect him to score 2-6 in the space of 12 minutes and just completely flatten us. Yeah. And then it was just, it was a procession after that. It was really annoying too because Dublin's tails were up they were really like even if you saw them off the ball some of the Dublin lads were sickening to the Mayo lads altogether it was a, like I know they beat a lot of teams by 10 to 12 points but I'd say they got immense satisfaction out of that I've never Brian Fenton celebrated a goal like I've never seen him celebrate before and the game was done just at that stage so for for a county that has, that, that has given Dublin some unbelievable battles over the year to see them over the years to see them being put to the sword so comprehensively was was, was tough to take. Yeah. Probably hard for you to watch as a Mayo man, but I think it was very obviously enjoyable for Dublin to finally put them away, yeah, you yeah, know, I and give so. them a beating. And maybe that's, you know, I think then, I think maybe Dublin needed to do that. And you're right with the kind of celebrations for the goal from Fenton, which that goal meant nothing. Um, you know, I think they were finally glad to give them a bit, oh, of, a, give so, them yeah. a bit of a yeah. scutcheon because like there is no love loss on the field between no, the, between no. the two teams, and they're both at it. Mm. They yeah. went to coppers afterwards. Apparently, the two of them. The co- yeah. coppers had a tweet saying they welcomed players from both counties. Uh, they were in the same room together, and not a bad word. Was Jeez, said a royal them. rumble! Yeah. No, after the after the listen, sure, all this stuff goes on on the field, ah, yeah, and yeah. they're trying to wind each other up, and they're trying to get each other sent off. And all these things go on, but like I mean, most players now there are some babies, but most players just forget about that after the game. And the funny, like Dublin's bogey team is a team that they only beat by a point every time. <laughs> you know, they still beat them <laughs> yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. but like yeah. they, so they probably like I don't know if you can call it an Indian sign, but yeah, like just getting rid of that and burying them. Yeah, like yeah. to do with everybody else. James, James Horn wasn't using it as an excuse. He said, if you think about the journey we've been on this year and apply any common sense to it, the turnaround they're asking amateur players to do is crazy. I didn't really mention it all year. I'm not going to go. I'm not. I'm not at all in any way using it as an excuse. But you know, coming back from games at two a.m. in the morning and guys being in work on a Monday and just the whole what we're asking players to do is very, very tough. I completely take his point. 
Mayo being tired had nothing to do with the 12 minutes after half time. They were after playing well in the first half. They were well rested for 15 minutes. That's not where if Dublin had done that in the last 15 minutes, you might say, Jesus, mm. they were out on their feet, you know, whatever. That was just Mayo could Mayo's brain scrambled. They couldn't get it, and Dublin just completely uh, dominated them. And with the quality they have, they just put them away completely. But I do take James Horan's point. And to be honest, you'll be glad to see the end of the Super Eights because it was it was badly thought out. Coming through the qualifiers, having to play seven games in six weeks, coming straight into Super Eights off the qualifiers never gave those let those teams much of a chance. You might give him a chance in the first game or two but by all our in semi-final time the week after the last Super game you're gone mm. you're, you're, you've no chance really so even though Tyrone did it last year am I right in saying that Tyrone got through the whole qualifiers yeah they did yeah, yeah and um, they actually so, played a good team against Dublin in, in Oma last year as opposed to this year when they were able to rest a lot of people I think they played uh, close, yeah. close strength because that was the second game that was yeah, the second so game they have a third game where they were able to rest a lot of players I can't yeah. remember right now but um, I was just looking at it even like uh, you're, you're dead right I would never use this excuse for what happened to Mayo against Dublin but in terms of it doesn't it doesn't make it wrong it doesn't uh, mean that we shouldn't question the, the the system that that allows Mayo to play that amount of games our teams to play that amount of games I was just looking at it like Mayo had to go to Newry Limerick Killarney Dublin a couple of times a lot of these would have been overnights on the Friday or the Saturday and then like James Horan's mentioned getting back at 2am so they would have done the night before that as well and that affects how you're able to train during the week recovery having to fit that all in so yeah. um, he was never going to use it as an excuse before the game because it couldn't be seen to be using that as an excuse anyway but I think he's right to bring it up afterwards that it's just it's not feasible in the long run No so I think any restructure now with a tier 1 and a tier 2 should have you'll be playing your championship game well obviously I'll talk my own one if it was based on the National League you'd have 7 championship games leading into All-Ireland semi-finals and you'd have a 2 week break between every every game and on that alternate alternate weekend the Division 2 f- matches will be on. So they have their own weekend, you know, in the sun rather than be the the, the B-side of the weekend. Mm-hmm. They'd just be maybe on with hurling matches or something like that. But sure, the football people would still, there's loads of football people who don't watch hurling. So they'd still have a huge interest in the Tier 2. And I think that's the way um, to probably do the Tier 2. But we know the Super 8s are done next year. They won't be back. That's it. You know, there's too many faults with them. Um, and we obviously know that committee has been set up this year with a complete blank canvas. And they're going to come up with recommendations um, to bring to Congress next year with a view of bringing maybe some restructure. This is exciting stuff, lads, that it, we could have a restructure that has been okayed by the higher level, third level uh, uh, colleges representation, the CPA, the GPA and the CCCC, so the GEA. Imagine that. Mm. Well, there's no one can complain about it then because that's what I'm always complaining about. Well, that th- then it's just an ego thing. Well, I think my one's better. Mm. No, if all of those people agree and they come out of the room happy. Mm. Should we ha- finally have a structure that we can all be happy with, which is brilliant? And then you won't have this kind of complaining. I just love to see uh, some sort of seeded format, like you know, so you make sure you have your your best sixteen teams or whatever, and then your best eight, and progressively it's getting more and more competitive. Like you know, and the super eights. I know we have that, but like people like me, we're playing Armagh on the way there, and there's big teams putting each other out. So it would be great to have. Everybody on an even keel and then it's progressively getting harder as you go along. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, now you're trying to put, get in your restructuring there, Connor. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to move on. Just after that. yours, sir. <laughs> get the last word on this. So now James Horan's talking about um, the next year. 
Um, I was saying on Monday, Connor, that I think Mayo absolutely aren't gone. They're still a huge team, but their their chances of beating Dublin are gone. So they might have to hope Kerry beat them in a semi, and then you you would give Kerry, Mayo a chance against yeah. Kerry in a yeah. final. But he says there's no questions. There would be changes in that Mayo group for next year. I think that's clear, but that will take its own course. With a huge amount of players, young players that were involved this year, and new players. Uh, that are involved this year and new players. I'm not sure what he means there. If we use that result right, there is a real learning to see where the top standard is. We have to use it that way. Otherwise, it's a hopeless cause. Now, is he being overly optimistic about all these young players in Mayo or what's he saying? Well, like, let's say at the start of the year, if you were like, I, if I'd been told that Fionn McDonough, Matty Rowan and James Carr would be regular starters in the Mayo Championship team by the end of um, 2019, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Like yeah. th- there had been mention of there'd be mention of all of them. Matty Rowan was uh, on the uh, team that won the under 20 All Ireland. Um, Fionn McDonough has been kind of on the fringes for a couple of years. James Carr came more came out nowhere than anybody else. But I wouldn't have thought that they would be on the Mayo starting team by the end of 2019. They're so, on it, but have they made it stronger? Probably not, if, if, I'm, being, if I mean? I'm being completely honest. Talking, you, you can bring in a couple more young players next year, but are they, make, are, are they bringing, bringing Mayo back down into well, the group see, of the Galways and the Donegals, you know, rather than the top four? Well, that's the thing. When we talk about retirements, like, so um, I think like Andy and David Clark will obviously, they're, they're 35, 36. They'll obviously be questioned. I think Keith Higgins will be... Um, well, maybe question it because he's been on the go for so long. He was a young footballer back in the year in 2006. Um, so he's been on the road a long time. So my fear is that the, the players that are stepping down or the players that are have maybe reached their peak are, are generational players. You're talking footballers of the year, um, multiple all-stars, yeah. four and five yeah. time winners. So like that's the standard that you have to reach to get up to it. Only time will tell if the next crop uh, like have that ability. Um, well, I'll tell you now they don't. Well, okay. <laughs> well, like the, maybe the, the crop that have uh, that have come on next year, maybe Phil McDonough and Matty Rowan aren't going to be three and four time all-stars. But like say you wouldn't have you mightn't have said when James Horan started in 2011 that Lee Keegan was going to be a four time All-Star and Player of the Year like James Horan has a brilliant track record of developing young yeah, players yeah. whether they're there in Mayo at the moment Bully I'm not 100% sure he did give some exposure to uh, Oshie Mullen and uh, Tommy Conroy who who uh, came up from the under 20s they were both on 26s in the Super 8s actually not just um, not just in the league or anything like that so that's the standard they have to reach whether they can do it I'd have my worries, but like only time will tell. James Horn is yeah. the right man to bring them on. Anyway. I, I, I'm not sure. I think Phil McDonald is limited enough. Um, I think James Carr has potential if you use him better than making him run out to the wings. I think I, it's surprised that his um, still raw. I think he's yeah. a little bit raw, but I'd let. He's so good at uh, winning ball and turning, and he can score. Yeah. So why not play him in a bit closer yeah, to goal? True, like yeah. I mean that you know when he runs out to the wing, and then there's a man up behind him. He becomes a one-trick point. Oh, he's going to take him on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's like that might work once, but it's too easy to defend against. Like you know, Kev, uh, Kevin McManaman is probably the only one who's done that so consistently. Mm. But Kevin McManaman has never become a starter because he's too predictable. You know mm. what I mean? If that's who you're trying to emulate, yeah. I'm not sure that's the right person to emulate. You need more variety to your game. And in fairness, McManaman, he's tried to do that. He's not the same one-trick pony, but he's still very predictable. I think yeah, McDonough and Carr's uh, weaknesses though are coachable. Like you know, I think McDonough has made a couple of stupid mistakes. Maybe just off the back of it being his first proper year in yeah. the starting team, you know, yeah. getting blocked down too many times and maybe running into contact too many times, not moving the ball on when he should, taking shots that aren't. Done. I think that's all coachable and. Car obviously is as well. It's just positioning sense and getting more used to full forward if that's where they're going to play him. So that's good. Like you have some raw tools there that you can use. But yeah, like it probably still comes back to the idea: Are they going to replace 
some of the best players mm-hmm. that Ireland has had you know, over the when, when, you, when you actually think about the Lee Keegan decision to play him corner forward so now you're not only losing Andy Moore who's not starting these are players of the year you're playing your other player of the year in a position that he's no good in Okay, he's all right in, but he's not yeah. at the top level cornerback. When Mayo were beating Dublin, or almost beating Dublin in 16-17, Keegan was scoring goals from wing back. He was scoring really important goals. He, imagine Dublin, imagine Jim Gavin looking onto that field and seeing Lee Keegan going down corner back. I'd say he couldn't believe it. Yeah. say he was like, what man has destroyed, has done us more damage and, than any other player? And it, there's none. Yeah. None outside Lee Keegan. He's blotted Conley out of the game. He scored big clutch goals. And if Mayo lost those finals, it wasn't Lee Keegan's fault. Lee Keegan stood up and was counted. And now Jim Gavin's looking out at Lee Keegan in a fish out of water marking Con. Yeah. It's like, I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. It's, and then Keegan gets out of the halfback line, goes up, scores a goal. There's not many players going to score, score goals against Dublin in three consecutive championship games. And those three consecutive championship games are two finals in the semi final. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so. scoring on Cluxton like that. Like, I mean, Cluxton's not easy to score goals on. Yeah. And Dublin obviously would have had a big plan for Keegan. Like, you know, definitely would have. And then when they all saw him a cornerback, they're thinking, happy bloody days. Happy like, you know, days. Plans aborted, lads. You don't need it. Yeah. So the Mayo team that started on, uh, this is the last one on Mayo in case people want to tune out. Uh, <laughs> the Mayo team that started on Saturday night, I think Maliki Clerken had this one, I thought it was interesting, was younger than the Dublin team. So the Mayo team that started on Saturday night was younger than the Dublin team. Only marginally. On average, an average age of 27.2 as opposed to set 27.3. But nonetheless, a younger team. And despite bringing on Keith Higgins, Andy Moore, and Kevin McLaughlin over the course of the game. They were younger than Dublin at the end too. An average of 27.9 against 28.3. Is that interesting? That mm. you would always have thought that Dublin team was a lot younger than the Mayo teams. Just the perception that's out there because Mayo have been on the road so long. So Horn has brought the average age down. Do you know? Like he definitely has. And we know Jim Gavin is constantly trying to bring the average age down. And that's, look, you have to be cutthroat. Looking at uh, some Brian Cody stuff for the live show tomorrow night, and he was cutthroat with Henry Shefflin, Charlie Carter, mm. Tommy Walsh, legends of the game. You can't hang on. If these managers had Andy Moore to be sorry, you're done. Like I'm sorry, we have to move on from you. Do you know what I mean? that's the reality? That's mm. what these cutthroat managers are doing. Look what Jim's doing to Alan Brogan, Bernard Brogan. Sorry. Mm. We have to move on from you. Like yeah. I mean, that's the reality. Kenny and Dublin are lucky in that they yeah. are, they conveyor belts that are better yeah, than other true. counties. That's you true. know, and and like Andy, for example, has obviously shown his worth at various different times this year. I think I don't know. I well, think when he, can Carr stand up? I know. If yeah. Moran is your go-to man, still yeah. he can't. He can't blossom. He's still he's still the talisman with the crowd. When is Carr going to be that person? Now I know it's only his first year, but you get me the psychology yeah, yeah. of why they do this. Is the knock-on effect that someone else has to now yeah. be the, the man and but not not depend on anymore and again? But is he just still not like better regardless of age? It's like you still pick your best players, right, for the squad. And the reason Bernard Brogan lost his place was because Conor Callahan, whatever age he was, was better than him. You know, so he gets to come in. And if Carr was better than Andy Moore, yeah, he see, I, well, I'd argue that Kieran Kilkenny took Alan Brogan's place, and I don't think Kieran Kilkenny was better than Alan Brogan at the time he took it over. You, you could you, obviously now you might look back mm. but I think Jim Gavin went what's my five year plan Alan Brogan's not centre forward on it Kieran Kenny is Alan 
you're my yeah, sub this you know what I mean yeah. I do yeah. think that that yeah. p- player managers are thinking down that road as well but I can accept that will you okay great no <laughs> argument over that uh, Paul Flynn lads has been talking this is something I've banged the drum on since I joined media there's been a few different pet hates of mine championship restructures has been a huge one we could be at the end of that road uh, next year um Dublin playing in Croke Park was another big one. We got they ended up coming out of Leinster. Everything I complained about was about five years later when someone high, higher profile than me complains about it. <laughs> so now Paul Flynn, I've talked about this for a long time. Is like the GPA's. Uh, it's like players looking for a percentage of gate receipts. So we know the GEA are making huge amount of money. Like I mean, for the All Ireland hurling final, the, the price of an All Ireland hurling ticket has gone up to ninety euros. So Paul Cody, the, the Carlo hurler, was working out that um, seventy thousand by ninety, and maybe the twelve thousand on the hill by forty-five mm. works out at seven million for one game. Now we know that that's complete, not a fair representation of all the other games. You know, yeah. like Kerry Tyrone isn't getting anywhere near that. Yeah, it's like when, corporate boxes as well. There's probably even more than that. Probably more than that, yeah. yeah, when it comes to the corporate boxes. Yeah, you're dead right. So, like, I mean, the... I think that players, not just for big games in Croke Park, for every game. Because when you look at it, what 70 million is there without the players? So if they down tools, if management team down tools, the players could still play. If stewards aren't there, we'll get another other stewards. If the very elite top level players don't want to play, who do you get? Club players? Are, 70, are 82,000 people going to go watch club players? Because the club All-Ireland Finals don't get anywhere near that. These are the very elite players. And the sooner they get something back for filling out stadiums. Now, we're not looking at full-time professionalism. We're not looking at the game going to a situation where there's transfers. You know, all these doomsday scenarios. This is just a very simple thing that the players get 15 or 20% of any show they put on. They're basically putting on a show. Like a band doesn't do a show in Slane and go, ah, look, we'll look. everybody else can get paid. We'll just do that for free. We'll bring 100,000 there. But look, we're, we're grand. Yeah. We're not, that's not how it works. So per- these, these are star attractions. Any game, league or championship, the players get a 20% cut. Paul Flynn is saying 15% of a cut of any takings on the gate. Only the gate. Would are we opening ourselves up to accusations of elitism again? That you know, well, Dublin are always going to generate, you know, 50, no, no, 60%. no. It's played pro rata like the government oh, grants. That, that's what I was going so to say. So it's okay, pulled yeah, in. Yeah, it's pulled yeah. in, and it's paid out based on how far you get in the championship. I think that's probably the fair because no oh, one yeah, complains about how the grants are paid. So I remember when we got the government grants. I think I got twelve hundred one year. Um, they were in a while I think I got maybe 800 another year it depends how far you get in the championship the all our winners maybe get two and a half grand and realistically when you're looking at I was looking at this before 20% of the total gate receipts for a full year only works out at maybe 5 million the same as the grants so you're not going to get rich out of it the all Ireland champions will get two and a half grand you know across the panel and rightly so like it's I mean it's not even that much mo- it's not even that much money but it's a thank you and it's players realising they're worth at this stage look at the Sky deal look at the money that's flush in the GEA and immediately to shoot this down which this isn't even this is nowhere near professionalism but this is a thank you I would say for basically 
entertaining the country during the summer and giving so much joy to so many people and making so much bloody money for the GEA. Yeah. It's just more yeah. a thank you than anything to do with professionalism. Do you know what a knock-on effect of this could be? Is counties actually trying to promote the games even more? So, like, you know, if you've got a big match coming up, rather than having an embargo and nobody's allowed to talk, you're actually drumming up the publicity because you're thinking if we can get more interest in this game, more people will come mm, and at yeah, the end of the year yeah. we're all getting more oh, money. Wow, it is managers to put a stop to that, not players. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the players are like, you know, can we try and get more than 33,000 at the semi-final we're playing Kerry like you know I, I can just do a video down here like yeah. you know I don't, I don't think they'd get distracted with that I see your point ah. I, see, I see your I couldn't see them getting distracted by that coming up to a big game I really don't what if we crunched the numbers for them and told them like you know you would get three grand extra at the end of the year I don't think it, no this? I think a player would go I don't think if a player was to say I'll give you three grand but you might lose that game versus Nothing and yeah, win it. Yeah. I don't he think that. I the think game. they'll just win, try to. I don't think they go down that road. I know what you're saying. It's funny enough. Just talk, sorry, we're just talking about um, you know, talking about you know, like media exposure in the week before a game, and and on this topic as well. I I found it really surprising that Chris Barrett did an interview there last week with the Irish Times, and he was it was published on the Friday, and it was it was it was done after the Donegal game because he was talking about the Dublin game. But he was calling for tax breaks for GAA players or some form of reward based on, I think it was the rugby players they used to get it, that like for the 10 years of their biggest earnings or something like that, that they'd be reward, reward, rewarded, sorry, at the end of their career. So it's just like on the same topic and it's just, it's literally, you know, it's a reward for the amount of effort that they're putting in. And it's also, it's them generating the money. So why not them get yeah, some but reward? See, that's from the, the government. See, I have a thing about it. I think the GEA should give them a handshake and say, thank you. Look what you're doing for us. Look, you've made us 70 million in one game and you've asked for nothing in return, you know, outside of winning. But like, I mean, at the same time, why not just say, here you go. Thank you. We're making all of this money and we're going to give you a tiny little bit. Thank you. I've got it. What of a stipulation of the GA giving them a cut of this money was you cannot have an embargo. So you have to play ball with the media. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that should go without. I think, the, but you see, the GPA don't want players doing media like they, they're actually training players not to say anything yeah. to media like they, I, I genuinely think players the majority of players probably don't want to talk to the media some do my argument is the ones that do shouldn't be prevented from it but in general mm. I do think players don't want the amount of texts I get back just keeping the head down woolly which is grand <laughs> yeah. but like I mean a lot of players just want yeah. to keep the head Chris down Chris Barrett did media and look how it worked out for him Mayo lost Yes, yeah, yeah, The big one was Joe Canning doing the huge interview with uh, Vincent Hogan oh, the yeah. morning of the Tipperary yeah, yeah. game that he got the winning point in. That should have put that to bed. Like, but it's never used. The interview is never used as a a reason you play well, but yeah, it's yeah. used if you don't play well. Yeah, it's yeah, used yeah. as a reason the other way around. So Paul Flynn. GPA's current funding arrangement with the GEA, it gets 15% of the GEA commercial revenue. And that was another big thing that was spoken about because the GPA didn't have their funding from the GEA linked to commercial revenue. So it was 100% based on handouts from the GEA rather than that's guaranteed. The GEA can't touch that. That's 15% of what our members are generating, right? So the next step maybe is the gate receipts. So Paul Flynn said 80% of revenue generated by the GEA comes from inter-county inter games, which is fantastic because we're able to invest a lot back into the clubs and grassroots and coaching. That's the beauty of the GEA. But equally, the players can't uh, pay for play. Uh, but equally, the players can't play for play. They have to be supported in cost reimbursement. So he's calling it cost reimbursement. And I think that's fair, cost reimbursement rather than pay for play. It's not really pay for play 
it's thank you for the effort. It's, you know, it's not a professional as such. People think all inter-county players are in receipts of expenses and in nutrition allowance. Uh, by the book they are, but they're not getting paid the right expenses at all times or in a timely fashion. The investment players are paying to fill stadiums to generate revenue for the GA. Um, you ask that they are supported. So this will be the next thing the GPA um, are going for. The argument against this will be if you take five million out of that pot and give it to players, there's five million that can't be given down to clubs. Um, which is obviously going to pull on the heartstrings <laughs> of a lot of people around the country. My argument is, is that, listen, you've got 80%, share that the way you want. You know what I mean? A little bit less to all that those people and give it to players. I think let's not worry about, because if that's like saying you can't talk about uh, that because there's homeless children on, living on the streets. Well, if you compare it to that, then nothing will ever get done. There won't be a road ever mm. built in the whole country if you compare. Um, is that a stupid analogy yeah, there? I think it? I had a bad one on Monday, and this is, this is, this is bad. <laughs> all right, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. So, are we all in? Are we all? Are we all being voted that this is a good thing? Or are you as two staunch club players? Worry me not. Yeah, I got excited when you were saying the club players would take over from the county players when they would no longer play. They go on strike. I thought me, me and Connor are in here now. I saw your little eyes light up there. All right. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, like I, I think they're generating a lot of money. There should be just some sort of pulled, automated thing then. When you're yeah, definitely in favour. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Right, so last one here, lads. And I was wondering whether to even talk about this, but there's too many people talking about it this week. And this is the Tyrone and the bottle of water rumours, <laughs> with the with the whatever the sick uh, whatever they had in it. So like, I don't believe this. I don't. I believe that. I think Stephen O'Neill has more integrity than to run in onto a pitch with two bottles of water and being a player of the year, hand a bottle of water to Dave, or try to hand a bottle of water to David Clifford, a future player of the year. I, I just can't mm. accept that that would ever happen. And I don't believe it happened. I don't believe it happened. The talk is that Foley got sick at halftime. Why did he come out in the second half? The talk, Stephen O'Brien... Uh, drank it and felt his stomach rumbling he scored 1-2 in the yeah. second half yeah, yeah. so I, he he should be uh, contacting Tyrone asking him for some for the final <laughs> yeah. like I mean I just think it's nonsense and it's surprising uh, look maybe I'm naive because I was on when all this talk was going on about oh well there's a drugs uh, problem this Kimmage who thinks there's a drug problem in every sport because of what he's come from the time the Kerry player took something mm. inadvertently and it was a contaminated product I don't think anyone, I don't think performance enhancing drugs are an issue. Maybe I'm be, being naive with that. Maybe I'm being too naive to say that Tyrone could potentially do this and target a couple of players. I don't want to believe it's true. I, I don't believe it's true. And that's all I have to say on that. What do you yeah, think? Jeez, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's true either. And as you say, the two samples aren't really consistent. Like, well, Jason Foley played another 15 minutes and still did well on McShane. Yeah, Came off tactically because they brought on Exactly, that's what it was. That was a tactical yeah. substitution because he was battling hard on McShane and we spoke on Monday, you keep McShane to three from play, which Foley yeah. did while he was on it. You're not doing that bad. Yeah, and then, as you say, Stephen O'Brien was mad in the match. Like, he was brilliant. So yeah. The funny yeah. thing I, I found about it was, um, and obviously it, like, it had to be enhanced for the purposes of storytelling when sent around on WhatsApp, but how blatant Rona McNamee was meant to be 
with David Clifford when he kept yeah. that. How, how, how often did anyone, any opposition player ever ask yeah. you repeatedly, do you want to drink a water? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the one dumber. thing Tyrone are, they're not stupid with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to do this, Stephen O'Neill's giving Ronan McNamee the water and he just casually gives the other one and doesn't even look yeah, at Clifford yeah. and Clifford goes, oh, thank you, yeah. Stephen, you were a great player. Then he starts yeah. sniggering the, back, <laughs> the whole so, game. Yeah. So Ronan McNamee goes, go on, take a drink yeah. of that. <laughs> Why did you have a drink of water? <laughs> What's wrong with that water? In a different bottle. So then there was pictures of Stephen O'Neill going around with, in fairness, there were two different bottles. Yeah, with so Stephen like, O'Brien as well. With Stephen... <laughs> anyways I don't know but funnily enough a fellow was saying yesterday on Twitter I haven't read Brian Corcoran's book but he said on Twitter that in Brian Corcoran's book he said that Cork players never ever drank out of opposition teams uh, water bottles Again, how naive I've been all my life. I'll guzzle water off anyone that gives it to me. Like, I mean, I beg <laughs> for, I yeah. shout for water off opposition water yeah. by, oh, give a drop of that. They'll always give it to you. Like, I mean, but at the same time, it's just, is this naivety, lads? Like, I mean. Yeah. I, I, like, I, don't, I don't believe it. That's their own thing. But it has scared me to think, Jesus, people might be getting bad ideas from this now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, that is just the worst form of cheating. That's yeah, disgusting yeah, yeah. cheating. That's taking out players. Whatever. I think taking performance enhancing drugs, you're not doing anything to the other team. You're yeah. making a choice <laughs> to cheat yourself. yourself. Yeah, this yeah. is cheating in the worst possible yeah. way in that you're you're destroying somebody else's yeah. chance of oh stop. I don't <laughs> I don't even want to take it's it's not true. Well I can't say it's not true categorically, but I, I would I would vouch for Stephen O'Neill. That's basically the way I'd I'd go about it. Yeah, Form, agreed. One former player of the year to a, f- a potential former of the year. Did you like that? Yeah. That really make you think there's no way. <laughs> yeah. One lefty that mm. developed the right with Just another pass, lefty that the developed torch. the right. <laughs> passing the torch. For Stephen O'Neill to do that. Maybe he's jealous of Clifford. Maybe he's like this. Who does this lad think he is? <laughs> right, we'll leave it here before we stop talking. Absolute nonsense altogether. Right, that's it. We'll be back next Thursday. Um, we'll make up a show for you next Thursday because the Thursday after that then is the preview to the All Ireland final. So we'll talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.